Well, good morning, family. This is the day that the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, come and let us go to Wilmington, North Carolina. <laughs> Absolutely. The place, the home of the greatest uh, basketball player to ever lace them up. All right. Now that I got that out of the way. Listen, I was taught uh, that honor is not a tip that you leave, but it's a debt that you owe. And I want to give honor where honor is due in honoring my friend and brother, your pastor, Pastor Ethan Welch. Can you do me a favor? Can we praise God for Pastor Ethan? Amen. Also want to praise God for this amazing team. Can you praise God for your team here at the Bridge Church? Amen. I mean, the, the hospitality has been incredible. Thank God for this incredible worship team for raising our affections toward Jesus Christ. Uh, I am super excited to be with you. Uh, my name is Aaron Moore, and uh, I'm here to, with you today uh, from Dallas, Texas, where it just broke triple digits this week. So I am grateful to get a little breeze from the Atlantic Ocean. Amen. Amen, somebody. All right. Well, listen, um, I didn't come here to give shout outs. Hopefully you came to hear a word from the Lord today. And if you've got your copy of God's word, would you do me a favor and meet me in Acts chapter 12? Acts chapter 12. It's on page 1050 in my Bible. If you've got it, say I've got it. If you don't say hold up. We'll wait, we'll wait. I'm sure the media team will put it behind me as well. Um, Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, I'll read all the way down to verse 11. Um, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. Here's how my Bible reads. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivered him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God, by the church to God. And on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone into the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to, fo to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one of the streets and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter came to himself, he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. 
The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. If you're taking notes, if you're here with me today, I just want to preach from the subject. Now I know. Borrow a line from Peter himself. Now I know. Pray with me as I go to God on our behalf today. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy toward us, Lord God. We just sang, great is your faithfulness to us, Lord God. And when we are faithless, you're faithful. So, Father, we thank you for getting us to another Sunday, God. Now, we have sang praises unto you, but now we need to hear a word from you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Stand in my body, preach with my mouth, hide me behind your cross, and give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, but most importantly, give us the feet and the conviction to do what your word tells us. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Family, it was a warm night in August of 1932 when a then nationally known musician was set to be the revivalist, uh, the soloist at a revival meeting in St. Louis, Missouri. He didn't really want to take the gig uh, because he didn't want to leave his wife at home pregnant with their first child, but he needed to provide for his family, so he took the gig anyway. When he got there, God used him in an incredible way, and when he finished his set that night, the, the crowd gave him a standing ovation. Worship broke out in the atmosphere, and as he was walking to his seat, he was interrupted in his worship by a young man with a Western Union telegram took the telegram and he looked at this yellow sheet of paper and it simply had one sentence on this paper. Those words on the yellow sheet of paper read, your wife is dead. At that moment, Thomas Dorsey rushed back to his apartment on the south side of Chicago. And when he got there, he only was there to find out that he was confirming the news that was written on the, the telegram that he saw. His wife and his baby boy had both passed away during childbirth. You can imagine this broke Thomas Dorsey. He went into a season of depression. He was mad at God. And he shut himself off for weeks and as he fell into depression, it was as if one, in one instance, at one, one point in time, it was as if God had spoken to him and told him to get up. And in his depression, he didn't turn to alcohol, he didn't turn to drugs, but instead he turned to a piano. He made his way down to the neighborhood music school, played a medley, took out his pen and wrote these words, precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on. And let me stand. And in that moment, Thomas Dorsey would give birth to the genre of music that you and I know as gospel music. And the thing that I want to tell you about Thomas Dorsey's misfortune is that the very brokenness in his life turned out to be the platform that God used for him uh, to bless millions by pointing them to a genre of music that pointed them to find meaning, hope and significance in Jesus Christ. Your situation may not be as drastic as Thomas Dorsey, but I want to let you know that every moment of brokenness that you experience, it is God working something out in you so that you can see him more clearly and worship him more intently. And I believe that that's the claim 
that this message, that this sermon uh, that is located in Acts chapter 12 is all about. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the primary claim. Here's what I'm going to seek to argue before you today. And that is that God uses unfortunate interruptions to develop unwavering faith that produces unbelievable results. God uses unfortunate interruptions to develop unwavering faith that produces unbelievable results. Um, I should have said this at the outset. Listen, I'm a chocolate preacher, so if you talk back to me, it don't bother me. As a matter of fact, it's like when Mario uh, gets a star, it'll actually power me up a little bit. So you can feel all right to talk back to me. This is dialogical. This is not a monologue. Amen. So God uses unfortunate interruptions to develop unwavering faith that produces unbelievable results. To put it another way, God never wastes a crisis. Every moment of heartbreak, every goal that you don't meet, every unfortunate interruption, and even a pandemic, God has a way of using that and working it together to make, make you into something great as you are seeking to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so here, with this scene in Peter's life, we learn a few lessons on how we ought to deal with life's unfortunate interruptions. We learn those lessons by first being introduced to a man named Peter. Now, I know you're in Wilmington right now, but do me a favor. Come on, go back to Jerusalem with me. All right. And we meet a man named Peter. As our youth pastor mentioned earlier today, it reminded him of Peter. Peter was that bold, quick tempered disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, Peter had the original conceal and carry license. (laughs) He was quick to cut you, quick to cuss you. Peter was so close in his relationship with Jesus Christ that he was considered to be in the inner circle with Peter, James, and John. It would be Peter uh, that would properly identify Jesus Christ when he said that you are the Christ, son of the living God, and Jesus would say to Peter that flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. Peter, at this point in his life, is no longer a disciple in training, but now he's an esteemed apostle. He's graduated like many of our students here today. And when he, after graduation day, Peter was now being used by God to help build up the church. And in Acts chapter 2, he took his stand with the 12. He preached a sermon. You remember this because you've come to Sunday school. And when he got done preaching, he gave the invitation and 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Not long after that, Peter preached again, and the Bible says that the number of Christians moved to 5,000, and we got our first megachurch right there in the Scriptures because of Peter's preaching. Peter was so anointed. The Bible says that people would bring their lame and their sick and, and, and their hurting to Peter just so in hopes that his shadow would walk past them and heal them. That's the Peter that we witness in this text. Peter has seen God do miraculous things in his presence. He's been used by God in a powerful way. But that isn't the only thing Peter saw. Because all of us who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will experience persecution. 
And I just want to pause here parenthetically and say, whoever told you that walking with Jesus means you ain't going to experience any problems or any pain or any hurt, liar, liar, pants on fire. But instead, when you walk with Jesus, it actually paints a bigger target on your back. My grandmother used to say it this way. If you're walking down a road and you never run into the devil, it might be because y'all are headed in the same direction. But if you're walking with God, amen, come on, grandma. If you're walking with God, you will face opposition from your enemy. And so Peter faces much opposition in Acts chapter 4. He gets arrested for preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 5, he gets locked up for preaching the gospel. But in every moment of, of, of misfortune, he sticks with Jesus and he doesn't sell out uh, for, for the crowd. And guess what? God delivers him from every single situation. And Peter shows us that the first lesson we need to learn is found here in this text. If we're going to deal with life's low moments, we need to first learn to embrace unexpected affliction. Embrace unexpected affliction. Don't run from it. Um, affliction is that moment of pain that is completely outside of your control. Affliction is like that mail that shows up to your house that says, Dear resident, some stuff you're going to get just because you take up space. Affliction is when you're eating right, you're working out every day, and you still get the diagnosis. Affliction, you're tithing, you're, you're trying your best to be a, a great steward of the resources that God has given you, and you still can't seem to get ahead. Affliction, you raised your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You brought them up in church. You brought them to, to youth group every week. And still they decided to walk away from the faith that you tried to instill in them. Affliction is something that comes to everybody's neighborhood. And since we cannot run from it, the word of God lets us know that we might as well learn how to deal with it. So Peter teaches us how to deal with this affliction. And first we see him dealing with this affliction by being the recipient of calculated persecution at the hands of the Roman government. The leader of the Roman government at this time, as you see in verse one, is a man by the name of King Herod. Have you ever heard that name before? You typically hear it around Christmas time because this King Herod, it was his grandfather that issued a decree that all male Jewish children be killed because there was a king that was born in Bethlehem. And that decree put him out of favor with the, the Jewish people during that time period. And so now his grandson is trying his very best to please people and to win back political favor that was lost by his family years ago. He was a people pleasing leader. You do know that never goes well. Anybody in leadership will tell you you can't please everybody all the time. There's always one. And if you don't know who that one is, it might be you. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, um, but he's a people-pleasing leader. And I want to tell you that if you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. And as he's trying to please people, he notices that in this big festival of unleavened bread here in Jerusalem, he puts a leader of the church named James to death, and he's executed by the sword. He sees that it 
it is pleasing to people. So he says, um, bring me another one of these preachers that are preaching about the way. Since this got me some political favor, I think I can take it to the next level. And when the city is filled during this festival of unleavened bread, I need you to bring me Peter here so I can do the same thing for him. So guess what? Peter is seized by the Roman government. Can you see Peter minding his business? The government shows up at his house and they grab him and they take him away. They put him in prison. And the Bible says that he was in prison and, and, and in his cell, he, he wasn't in regular prison, y'all. I want y'all to hear me. This was not the county jail. But this was maximum security prison that Peter was in. And the Bible says right there, you, you see it in your Bible, right, that he was assigned to four squads of four soldiers. Four squads of four soldiers, 16 men assigned to one man. And when Peter was in prison, uh, he would have been locked up this way. He would have been chained to one, one soldier with one arm. He would have been chained to another soldier with another arm. And there, there would have been two more soldiers keeping watch over him. And that would have happened in rotation around the clock. That sounds like affliction. Peter is bound to his affliction. But you remember what I told you about Peter's character as a disciple, how he was quick tempered. He always spoke his mind. What I love about Peter in this instance is he's no longer immature, but he has experience on his side. And instead of trying to get himself out of the situation, he embraces it as his new normal. I want to tell you, family, we've become experts at trying to get ourselves out of situations. We've become experts at checking the account, calling our connections downtown, uh, seeking ways that we can rob Peter to pay Paul to get out of these things. But sometimes if you keep living, God will put you in a situation that you can't look around. You can only look up. When that moment comes. You need to seek his face and embrace the unexpected affliction. But after you embrace unexpected affliction, the next lesson that Peter tells us is that uh, after you embrace the unexpected affliction, secondly, you need to learn to allow God to lead you through it. Can y'all say that with me? Learn to allow God to lead you through it. Peter is in prison, chained to these soldiers, but I don't want you to miss it. The way that God leads Peter through it in verse 5, it's a critical juncture here in the text. Something amazing happens. It says that Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. Peter was in prison, but prayer was being made fervently for him by the church of God. Um. The way that we allow God to lead us through it is that we need to learn to talk to God about it. Let me say that one more time. The way that you allow God to lead you through it is not by posting your situation on social media. It's not by venting to your friends. But instead, you need to have a little talk with Jesus. And not just you, but you need community. You need people who actually walk with God, people who can get a prayer through that are actually going to go to God on your behalf. And Peter is in prison and the church is praying for him. Text says that prayer 
by the churches being made for him. And we not only see that prayer is how you get through it, but we also see how to pray. First, the text says that the church prayed fervently. Somebody say fervently. They prayed fervently. This literally means they stretched themselves in prayer. This means that, that they knew that if their prayer was going to mean anything to God, it had to mean everything to them. They stretched themselves in prayer. They prayed fervently, but then they prayed specifically. Let the church say specifically. Um, they went to God with a specific request. They didn't use a bunch of meaningless words, but Peter was in prison and they petitioned God on his behalf. Listen, when you, to go, when you go to God in prayer, ask God for exactly what you need. And he's God enough to step into your situation and meet you in that moment. They prayed specifically, but lastly, they prayed constantly. Let the church say constantly. Peter was in prison during the time of unleavened bread. He wasn't going to get let out till Passover. If my calculation serves me correctly, that's about a week. And for a week, they prayed for the same thing consistently, constantly. They pleaded on behalf of God. And listen, family, I know you hear a lot of things of what the church is supposed to be doing, but it was Jesus who said that my father's house will be, the, uh, will be a house of prayer. Prayer is the one thing that changes everything. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Prayer is the one thing that changes everything. And prayer is so powerful, not because of the people who say it, but because of the one who hears it. Yes. If you want God to lead you out, talk to God about it. Y'all with me in here? Y'all still, still with me? And so now, Peter is in prison. The church is praying. But I want you to see this picture here. The church is praying. They're getting on the Zoom call. They're all together. They took everything off mute. It's chaos, and they just going on. Oh. <laughs> Praise God for pandemic pastoring. Amen. Um, they, they, they go to God on behalf of Peter. Everybody is praying. They, they're meeting around the clock, and while the church is praying, Peter is sleeping. Y'all hear, hear what I'm saying? Peter is seated on death row awaiting his execution, chained to two guards with two more guards watching the door. And the Bible says that Peter is asleep. And he didn't fall asleep. He meant to go to sleep. Because the Bible says that he took off his sandals and his cloak. Peter, listen, I can't, I, listen, I can't stay up when I got an exam the next day. I can't go to sleep if I got an exam the next day. Peter is getting ready to be executed, and he is sleeping in between two guards. And the question on the table is, how in the world can Peter be asleep when there is so much calamity going on around him? If I can use my sanctified imagination, I can think of two primary reasons that Peter was sleeping while other folks were stressing out. First, Peter remembered that in John chapter 21, verse 18, God made a promise to Peter that he would grow old in ministry. And when Peter looked around, he wasn't that old yet. And he knew that God still had something for him to do. And so the reason Peter was able to go to sleep is that he held on the pro to the promises of God. And guess what? The way you're going to be able to go to sleep when so much chaos is going on around you is you're going to be able to hand hang on to the promises of God. 
when you're stressed out, you're going to be able to say greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. When all this crazy stuff is going on around you, you're going to be able to say, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When stuff is getting out of, out of hand, you're going to be able to say, I'm going to be anxious for nothing. But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I'll make my request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Anybody got a promise from God you can hold on to? Peter held on to the promises of God, but here's the other reason. It's real practical. When it came to prison, um, Peter... Had a little bit of a record. He was a repeat offender. This wasn't Peter's first time in jail. The last time Peter was in prison, God got him out. This is a new jail, but it's the same God. This is a new situation, but it's the same Jesus, because my Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just because there's a new situation, we still got the same God. And if he did it before, he's going to do it again. And just because you're in a fearful situation, you have never abandoned your faithful God, and your faithful God will not abandon you. So if he did it before, he can do it again. Peter is there, and he sleep because he knows that the Lord can get them out. And now I want to pause here because we're getting ready to see an angel. Y'all heard me read the text. Y'all know what's happening next, okay? But you're getting ready to see an angel get Peter out of prison. But it was prayer that got the angel out of heaven. Peter is resting in the promises, resting in what he knows God is doing, and God is being bombarded in heaven with the prayers of the saints. Now Peter is there sleeping, and then all of a sudden, an angel shows up. God steps in to a situation, and the light shines in the cell, and, and the angel uh, has to hit Peter. He's sleeping so good. Uh, you do know that one of the most godly things you can do as a Christian is you can go to sleep. Because the Bible says that the God that we serve never slumbers nor sleeps. So hence, since God's going to stay up, you don't need to stay up too. go to sleep. And now this angel wakes Peter up. Can you see it? Peter's up. He gets the sleep out of his eyes. The angel says, gird yourself. Put on your sandals and follow me. I know you were waiting for the gospel to show up in this message. And I just want to tell you, it just did. Because Peter was boxed in, the, 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 the jailers wouldn't let Peter out. And so since Peter couldn't get out, God came in. Because they don't make angel-proof prisons. <laughs> if you're in this church today and you feel boxed into your situation, you feel like you're all alone, I just want to tell you that the good news of the gospel says that we serve a God that will step in. Every other religion will tell you how hard you got to work to get to God. But the gospel proclaims that we got a God that worked very hard to get to us. 
He worked so hard that he condescended from heaven to earth. He worked so hard that he came down in the form of a baby. He kept the world in rotation while he was learning to walk. He worked so hard that he lived a perfect and sinless life. He worked so hard that he died in your place and for your sins. And while he was nailed to the cross, nailed to his creation, dying for his creation in order to save his creation, he didn't moan or grumble or complain, but instead he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. If you're wondering how the gospel can invade your situation, just know that when life boxes you in and you can't get out, God will come and meet you. And he meets Peter. He begins to, he sends his angel and he says, follow me, Peter. Peter it's discombobulated. He doesn't know what's going on. He's literally walking in obedience to God uh, because that, that is part of you letting God lead you out of it, right? Um, it is walking in step in obedience to God's word. And as he's walking in obedience, guess what happens? The chains fall off. Chains fall off when he walks in obedience. And then he begins to continue to follow him. And the Bible says um, that the door opens um, and Peter didn't even have to push the door open because you do know that when you walk in obedience, God will open doors that you couldn't seemingly open by yourself. Grace and mercy will get you places that your hustle cannot get you. Now, Peter gets out. The last thing you need to learn on this lesson, when God shows us how we ought to handle life's unexpected affliction. The last lesson we have to learn is that we need to learn to give God the credit. Learn to give God the credit. Y'all, I'm sweating because that, that clock is messing with me right now. Um, I told y'all I was a chocolate preacher. I'm trying to stay within my limits. Um, that's, that's the right response. Take your time, pastor. Keep going. Amen, amen, amen. Y'all real saved in this section over here. All right. Bless you, man. Bless you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's the Holy Ghost making me sweat. All right. So now, and this jacket. Um, now. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now. <laughs> come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Now, Peter, he gets outside the prison. And the text says something. Luke writes something. That he writes before, he uses the same phrase. He, it says, Peter came to himself. If you're familiar with the parable of the prodigal son, this is the same thing that the prodigal son says when he is eating slop with pigs, when he realizes that his servants got a better meal in his daddy's house. He came to himself. Literally, reality sets in and he comes to his senses. And God was so powerful in leading him out that he could not understand whether or not he was seeing a vision or this was actually happening. Came to himself. And when he does, he says, now I know that it was the Lord who sent his angel to set me out, bring me out. This was a mind blowing blessing. I, I, I ain't going all prosperity, but, but I'm just going to keep it real with you. We still serve a God who blesses us. We still serve a God who sends us things that, that we had no clue that we, we could. There's no way in the world we could have got it by ourselves. And God steps in. Anybody in this church ever got a mind blowing blessing? And so now 
Peter shows us that in one scene, his heart was broken and now his mind is blown. And I want to tell you, sometimes God will break your heart just so he can later blow your mind. God meets Peter and Peter says, this was all you, Lord. I didn't know how I was going to get out of this situation, but God, you knew. God, I am overwhelmed by the circumstances, but you ain't surprised by this, Lord. I have no clue how I'm going to make it through another round of chemotherapy, but God, you know. I have no clue how I'm going to make it without this loved one that I lost, but God, you know. God is so powerful that he will give you strength and grace that you need to carry you through the, 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 the moment of difficulty and stress that you couldn't even foresee coming. This is a picture of the power of God. So now Peter gets on the other side of this. And in his hindsight, he says, Lord, there's no way in the world I'm going to plagiarize your work and take credit for it. But instead, I'm going to quote the source. And the source of this blessing is the Lord himself. Family, that's my prayer for you. That when life's dark moments come upon you, that you don't try to self-medicate, that you don't isolate yourself, but instead you lean in and you allow God to lead you out of it. And when he does it, even if he doesn't change your circumstances, he'll change you in the midst of the circumstances. And when you come out better, make sure that you give God the credit. Because God uses unfortunate interruptions to develop unwavering faith that produces unbelievable results. As we close our time before we transition into communion, I want to pray for you today. I get the feeling in a church this size and as someone is looking online, there's somebody who is fake, facing a circumstance that has them stressed out. Somebody who doesn't know what the future has to hold, but you're trusting God in the process. I want to pray for you at this time. The way that we're going to respond from this message is that we're going to allow prayer to become a regular pattern in our walk with God and allow him to lead us through it. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, and your word, God. Father, there's somebody here under the sound of my voice who is in the middle of a difficult circumstance, Lord God. And they come to church, they've, they've gone through the motions in a sense, but Lord, they need you to step in and encourage them in the midst of their difficulty, Lord God. Father, I pray that you meet that person right where they are today, Lord God. Father, I pray that you remove the feeling of isolation and remind them that you will never leave them nor forsake them. That you are a friend that sticks closer than any brother. And God, I ask that in the name of Jesus that you encourage their hearts. Father, there's somebody here today who does not know your son Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, 
that you would permeate their hearts with the message of the gospel, Lord. Let them know, Father, that if they believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you raised him from the dead, they shall be saved. God, there's somebody else here who knows Jesus, but they're living life on the periphery, Father, and they're not connected to community. Father, I pray that you remind them that being a Christian ain't just the best way to die, it's the best way to live. May they lock arms with your church. May they become a a member of this body, Lord God. Be around people who will love on them and encourage them in the midst of life's high moments and low moments, Lord. And lastly, Lord, we just had a Bible study, but now, God, we need a Bible doing. Give us the grace to live out your word faithfully, Lord. We cannot do anything that we heard today without your Spirit's guidance and empowerment, Lord God. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that this day be a day that leads to life change. That we won't walk in reliance on our own strength, but we will lean and depend upon your spirit each and every day. Father, we give you the credit today, and we know that it is you in which we live and move and have our being. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.